Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting, and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and meal times, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, and today I get to hang out with Dr. Tracy Dogleash. She and I got to dive into how to address relationship challenges. Y'all, I don't know about you, but for me and for us, entering into parenthood especially was this real shift in our relationship. What did it mean to prioritize us or even ourselves individually when we're trying to keep a tiny human alive, you know, when there's someone else who always needs you and all the things that come along with that, the triggers, all of it, you know? Dr. Tracy wrote the book, I Didn't Sign Up For This, and I'm obsessed with it. I think it's so good and I'm so excited to be able to chat about it here in this episode, y'all. Without further ado, let's dive in. Hey there, I'm Alyssa Blass Campbell. I'm a mom with a master's degree in early childhood education and co-creator of the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. I'm here to walk alongside you through the messy, vulnerable parts of being humans raising other humans with deep thoughts and actionable tips. Let's dive in together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Voices of Your Village. Today, I get to hang out with Dr. Tracy Dalgleish. She's a clinical psychologist and relationship expert who is on a mission to help couples break old relationship cycles and find joy in their relationships again. She's the owner of Integrated Wellness, a mental health practice in Ottawa, Ontario. I almost said Ottawa, Canada, which like also fits, right? Uh, <laughs> and has been working with individuals and couples for 17 years. Dr. Tracy has extensive training in emotionally focused therapy and has been published in books, journals, and online media. Her debut book, I Didn't Sign Up For This, a couple's therapist shares real life stories of breaking patterns and finding joy in relationships, including her own is out now for you to snag. It features case studies from her practice and her own relationship. This book helps readers learn how to get unstuck in their relationships. I am super jazzed to get to dive into this with you. I think it's a topic that so many of us need to be diving into and 
also, I think, especially those of us who are parents, where it's mm. so easy to be like, wait, where did we go? <laughs> where, yeah. Uh, where did I go? And then, of yeah. course, when we lose I, we also so much more struggle with we. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I dig the title. I didn't Thank sign you. up for this. Yeah. Will you share the significance of that title? Yeah, absolutely. And let me just pause, Alyssa, to say thank you for inviting me into your community here. It, As a fellow podcaster and creator and doing the things in our field, I always have this great sense of gratitude to connect with the other person on the other side. Um, I actually was listening to one of your older episodes. So then thinking of you and how much you've grown, it's just so cool to see what Sweet. women and mothers are doing. So thank you. Which episode were you diving into? This was your end of 2018 episode. Oh, wow. Yes. Throwback. I did a throwback. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sick. So, I love it. So it's amazing. So the title, I found myself sitting in front of couples repeatedly and not just couples, but the women in my office as well. I, most women are showing up into my office. I do see men, um, but mostly women that are showing up and they all started to say the same thing that over time their relationship had changed. And this might be due to how they're blending their family to the mental load, to issues with in-laws um, or to boundary struggles, to the kids parenting and they were all saying the very same thing, which was, I didn't sign up for this. Mm. And every time it would show up in front of me, I thought, okay, I'm seeing this theme here. And of course we know, right? The early stages of a relationship are easy. We flow, we often, often they're easy, not always, but we flow through them. And then we decide to make a commitment and then things start to change. And that's usually where I come in, sometimes not right away. I wish it was earlier, but then several years later. And what I have found is that we we try to argue about who's doing the dishes or we try to dig deeper into, you know, what's your love language? What's mine? You know, I, I can't rave enough about Eve Rotsky's Fair Play deck of cards and her mm -hmm. book. They are fantastic. And all of these pieces, while they're important, what I was finding is that we were also missing another piece. And that is that building of interdependence. Mm. And what that is, is it is ultimately how difficult it is to create these two parts in our relationship that we need. And interdependence is made up of autonomy. That's one part. The autonomy is the independence and it's the self. It's the part of me that says, I, Tracy, can see I am a separate person from Alyssa and that you are going to have different feelings and reactions to an experience that we are both having and that my feelings are okay, even though they might be different from yours. That's that differentiation that we really mm -hmm. need in our relationships. And, and then the other piece is we need that intimacy and connection, which is the, how do we come together? How's the we for us? What does that look like? And what we then do is we start, there's this tension between trying to find how we balance that. So then we're either all in independence and it's the I, it's only I. And that sounds, you know, the common thing I've heard from people in the past years, let's say, and I think partly because of the uptake of social media and more therapists and more psychology type terms being shared online, mm -hmm. that people will then say things like, those are your feelings. I'm not responsible for your feelings. You're mm. having them. That's your <laughs> stuff to go work on. 
Sure. And while that's partly true in a relationship, the other piece then is how do we then look at that, the we part? But so then we either swing from this hyper-independence or then we're in codependence and being fused with our partner, which is the, my partner gets home, they're in a bad mood, and it must all be about me. And so now I'm in a bad mood and I've mm. lost that sense of differentiation. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. This is so good. Okay. So I think both in partnership and then in parenthood, I feel like there's a lot of overlap here. Always. Um, We're talking about it, right. attachment bonds, right? Relationships. <laughs> relationships and yeah. that the healthy dependency that yeah. we need from cradle to grave. Yeah. And I think, you know, for myself as a parent, Zach and I were together for, I don't know, uh, eight years or something like that before we had kids. And it, we, there's obviously a lot of like growing and whatever that happens there, but there was also a lot of like routine that happens there. Right. And then all of a sudden kids come into the mix and the routine shifts and shifts and shifts and shifts and shifts because especially in those early years like it is constantly evolving and um it's so physical at first and then moving out of as much not as physical but still relying on right like there's just so much shift and i i can see the like oh i didn't sign up for this in that of like oh my gosh, I'm so like, I can't think about you partner and focus on you because I'm pulled in 7 million other directions and you're just not at the top of the list right now. Like this human mm-hmm. needs me to stay alive. Right. And then I need to also stay alive. Um, and you know, maybe work to put food on the table, whatever it is. And that it becomes almost this like hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. And I can see just, it it just makes sense to me how easy it is to be like, what we, (laughs) like, what is we right now? What's we? Well, of course. And what you even said there is that before kids, you had a routine. And so we know that, and I think this is really important. So I'll share this research number. 67% of couples experience significant declines in how they're doing in their relationship after having a baby and for the first year and for many, for the first three years. Yeah. It checks out. Yeah. Right. Many, many resolve on their own and many much of that distress for some continues on. And I can't remember where I had read this from, but someone had said, it's the first seven years, it's the seven years of your child's life until things can start to feel more like you and you and your relationship and finding the I and the we. Um, But before you had kids, you likely had these cycles that showed up, these ways of communicating that were probably Mm -hmm. maybe not the best way to work through things. And also let's normalize just how hard communication is. We don't, I mean, we're doing this work now of parenting with our children and reparenting ourselves. I know you have a course on that, Um, but it's really hard when we show up in our romantic relationship without any of this training, without these skills for ourselves. Totally. And so before kids, you had space and time and availability, both physically, (laughs) mentally, emotionally to work through these challenges. Maybe they were swept in the rug. Maybe you let them go. Maybe there were moments of more intimacy in a different way that kind of like, we're good, right? We can move forward. And then you have a child and 
you are sleep deprived. You no longer have space and time. You are depended on by something else. And then on top of it, which many more people are talking about, is the experience of being overwhelmed and yeah. overstimulated of from all of the things, the mental load of navigating life. Yeah. So, so then, then we come to this moment of, yeah, I didn't sign up for this because it's like, how do we manage all of this? And I like to normalize for couples too, that if you're finding yourself in this position, also to, to recognize our relationships are supposed to go through seasons. Mm. They're not supposed to always be the same. I love that. I love that. My husband had said at one point, I was like snippy and that's, that's like my go-to. I'll get like sarcastic and snippy and short and something came up I was snippy and it was like I was like four months postpartum or whatever and later was like I'm sorry like I know that that was rude and to be honest like I can't guarantee that's going to go down differently next time right now like in this season and he was like oh yeah totally I just figured for the first like six months to a year there's going to be a lot of stuff that isn't typical for you that we're just going to brush right by like that's just not (laughs) going to be something that I'm going to be like what like we're gonna we're gonna have to bring this back up and have a conversation he's like mm. I get it nobody's sleeping right now like yes. yeah and I was like oh I needed that right like he was giving me so much grace so much more grace than I was even giving myself but it was just so kind <laughs> to be like yeah mm. we're not going to be and I think when I look back at the like conflict pre-kids versus now that's one of the biggest shifts is like pre-kids, I had more bandwidth. I had more patience. I had more mental energy to be kinder more frequently and like really show up with intention more frequently. And now there's a shift there where it's like, yes, you're not always going to get that from me in a way that you did before. And I'm going to do my best to give it to you. And it's probably not going to be at the same quantity or ratio that it was before. You're talking about- yeah. Oh yes. No, of course. Right. You're, you're bringing this kind of reflective process up that you were able to come back to that moment and say, I recognize that wasn't my best self. And sometimes just that, that ability to say that to our partners gives them the, the reassurance of like, okay, so this first, this isn't about me. Sure. And also we can find a way to move through this and And then the other piece that you brought in there was one of, I talk about four C's at the end of the book. And that one C is, you said kind, the C is compassion. Compassion, Mm -hmm. not just for our partners and what their experience is, but also for ourselves and the struggle that we're having, especially in parenthood. This is hard work. Totally, totally. And you chat in the book about like couples arguments and how so often we're not, arguing about what we're really arguing about right that like what we're arguing about isn't really it um and I want to chat about that because I think that it's really really huge Mm. I'll share a story of what happened one one of the the many stories that I share about my own relationship and it's about soap in in the shower <laughs> and my husband and you know it's not about the soap 100 <laughs> percent. you're like it's not about the soap it's, right 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 when you say it's about the soap about it's like no soap. it isn't <laughs> my my husband would leave my soap bottle open and the result would be so he would use my soap and the result would be a i'm left with no soap 
and when it comes for my time to have a shower or B, the soap is all crusty. And so I went through this whole rigmarole of, hey, love, please, can you just close the shower cap? And then every time I'd go into the bathroom, the shower cap is open. I'm like with this internal sense of anger surging through my body. And it's like, why can't you just close the gap? And Alyssa, you know, the thing that I show up about with in my community and also in the book is I know the skills and tools. I, I am the objective outsider when I'm working with my couples. I have seen some amazing shifts in the people that I've worked with across my career. And yet there are these moments where I am just so human. Yeah. And you're just Tracy. I'm just Tracy. And I yeah. have all, and you can connect to that being in the parenting space. 100%. Where, you know, I am having a hard time in this moment. And so I say the thing of like, why can't you ever, you never close the soap. And he's like, dude, this, you know, love, this is just soap. I did all the things. So it took me a while to really kind of go inside and say like, you know, this, this is a trigger. This is an external indicator to me that something is happening inside of me. Mm -hmm. What is this about? And when I was able to hang out in that space and then go to him he understood it wasn't about the soap, but that every time he left the lid open, I was reminded of my own space not being respected as a younger sister growing up. Sure. And I needed my own space and my own items to be truly mine. And so that small little moment of a flip of the cap, which is no big deal to him, <laughs> was that message to me that I'm not respected. And so sure. there's that kind of both and in there where it's like, I have to do my work and say... My husband is not trying to disrespect me or to make me feel not seen and small. That's not what he's doing. And that was my experience as a child. And that was mine. And, you know, everybody did their best growing up and that's hard. And then how do I then first soothe my own needs? And then also how do we then decide what we're going to do with the soap? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. 
we've been loving active skin repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com code village for 20% off your order. And then what happens with the soap? (laughs) I I learned to let it go. (laughs) (laughs) It's huge though, right? Like I, one of mine, I have four brothers. I'm the only girl with four brothers. And where are you in the Sibshin pattern? Yeah, number four of five. So I have three older, one younger. And I heard and experienced a lot of like, gender specific things of like the boys were allowed to do this why can't I and I would just be told like yeah it's not fair like it was safe for the boys to do that it's not safe for you as a girl and like that sucks and that's reality and like wouldn't say there was a lot of space for emotions around it <laughs> um but that was like very much the message was that like the boys got to do things that I couldn't and so that for me, like lives so deep inside, right? That like, no, I am going to have access to, or I'm not going to just do this thing because I'm female. And so now, you know, in a hetero marriage, anytime things are falling on me, mental load wise, et cetera, that'll come up. Right. And so we were getting ready for a trip this summer and it was maybe Monday, we were leaving on Friday. And I asked my husband, I was like, what's your plan for the week? And I didn't even notice it at this point that really what my question was, my my question was actually about like, what are you planning to pack? What are you planning to do? Who's accounting for our child? Mm. Um, Which I didn't even notice in the moment, right? I'm just like, what is your plan for the week? And he was like, oh, and he like lays out his work schedule and things that were coming up. And immediately I was like, oh, so you weren't planning to do anything in terms of getting our kid ready for the trip or getting anyone other than yourself ready for the trip. And he then was there and he was like, is this a trap? (laughs) And I was like, it does feel like it right now in this moment. It wasn't my intention, but like, (laughs) yes, it does feel like it. Um, Unconsciously, (laughs) it's like the, I don't want this to be unfair, right? Like it's, it comes from this, it like internalized. I, I like to talk about how we develop these pathways in our brains from early yeah. on experiences. And then in this moment, you don't realize you're walking down that path. Yes. And actually that path leads to that dysregulation yeah. and the bigger emotions. And well, I was like, maybe the- he's going to say, oh yeah, I was planning to do X, Y, and Z and get Sage's mm-hmm. clothes ready. Or like, I was going to run to the grocery store. Like, I think there was a part of me that was hoping that was in his week plan right? Like the plan for the week. Mm. And then when that wasn't true, I was like, oh, cool. So again, like, because I'm mom, you're going to take care of you and I'm going to do everything else unless I ask you to do it, which still counts as that's me and my household. And 
he was like, okay, okay. And then he asked, he was like, well, what would be helpful? And I was like, for you to just for a minute, pause and think, I have a kid and we're going to go on a trip. And what is he going to need on that trip? What might he need before we get on that trip? What might need to happen at the house beforehand? That's what would be most helpful, to be honest. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and then I, we like paused and he was like, can we chat about this? tomorrow and I was like totally mm. so then we came back together and like had then a more productive conversation when he was like okay here's the things but I had just like fallen into this so many times where I'm like no I don't want to tell you what's most helpful that yeah, still for me looking, feels unfair you're looking for the fair team member who yeah, doesn't come right. to you and says and, and this is the common dynamic in relationships in heterosexual relationships especially mm-hmm. is the the male comes to you and says husband, dad comes to you and says, yeah, I see you're overwhelmed. You do so much. I see that you do so much. So just tell me how to help. Mm-hmm. And it's and then that- my blood boils. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so does mine. <laughs> and it's the, whoa. And it's funny because even in these moments, so what we do in our relationship is my husband, Greg will come to me. And, and then I, now I'm at the point where I just kind of raise my eyebrows and he's like, oh, I see it. Right. So when I come to you and say, what do you want to do for date night? I'm putting it all back on you mm-hmm. rather than me coming to the table with ideas and then how we can <laughs> negotiate that. It's like, yes, you've got it. So yeah. th- this is, you're talking a little bit about some of those unspoken expectations in there, which really trip us up in our relationship. And it's not that our partners don't want to meet you there and to understand what those expectations are sure. and to do it with you. It's more that we hold a lot of things inside of us just in terms of a general management of our family. And then we layer on, you know, societal expectations, gender roles, all the messaging that we have, be the good wife, be the good mom, do all the things and never sit down kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. And this is what I what I love about how Eve Rotsky has um, presented to us that we have so needed for so long, which is her system around conceptualization planning and execution. Mm-hmm. And she calls it that her CPE and Zach was coming to you with the execution piece. Tell me like, I'll help you. What do you need mm-hmm. me to do? <laughs> and when we don't offload the conceptualization and the planning to a task, then we are still at risk of developing resentment. And, and I, I know for some people, and, and here's the thing about systems. Sometimes systems work for some people and other times it doesn't work for others, but it's important to recognize that you see so, so what I would want the listener to do is ask yourself, does it work for me when my partner comes and says, tell me what you need help with? And if it doesn't work and it feels like it's more stressful for you, then that's a good opportunity to sit down and say, look at all of these tasks that exist in our week to week. And then even vacation specific tasks. Mm-hmm. What would you like to do? Here's what I need to offload. What are, what are my strengths? Here's what I want to do. And then also, what are we saying? Let's just toss out right now. Maybe we don't totally. do all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of like Casey Davis's work with how to mm-hmm. keep us while drowning. Um, yes. She was on the podcast recently and they, it's so helpful to think about like, also what doesn't need to happen? I don't know about you, but when I scroll through Instagram or I'm tuning into podcasts and diving into parenting resources, resources for myself as a teacher, 
I can feel overwhelmed. Like, where do I start? I need a guide for what this looks like in practice. And I don't want something that's one size fits all because every child is different, right? And like, if you have multiple children, if you're a teacher, you know that it's not one size fits all. Or if you have seen what works for your sister-in-law or your best friend or your neighbor, and you're like, oh my gosh, my child does not respond to that. That is how I felt. And then we created the Collaborative Emotion Processing Method. It is a guide for building emotional intelligence. And y'all, there are five components of the SEP method. One is about how to respond to the kids and what it looks like to have adult-child interactions. The other four are about us. Because I don't know about you, but I did not grow up getting these tools. I did not grow up with them. I didn't grow up in this household where... I was taught tools for self-awareness and self-regulation and how to do emotion processing work. And now as a parent and as a teacher, I'm supposed to teach those skills to a tiny human, but we can't teach what we don't know. And so my first book, Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, is here to support you. You can head to www.seedandso.org slash book and snag tiny humans big emotions today this is a game changer it's gonna build these skills with you for you so that you can do this work alongside building these skills for your tiny humans so that they can grow up with a skill set for self-awareness for regulation for empathy for social skills for intrinsic motivation a skill set of emotional intelligence so that they can navigate all the things that come their way in life. Snag Tiny Humans, Big Emotions at seedandso.org slash book. Yeah. Yeah. And that's for me where like control can come in, right? We're like, all right, there's a part of me that really does want to hand off more. And then there's a part of me that's like, I want to hand it off, but I also want him to do it this way. And I'm like, I want to hand it off and I want it to be executed the same way that I would execute it. Uh, <laughs> that's bonkers, right? And then in the moments where- It's so human. It's so human, but you're, also- you're, like, I'm a fellow control <laughs> appreciator with you. <laughs> and when then, then when like, you know, we go on the thing and there wasn't a rain jacket packed and I was like, yeah, we feel looked at the forecast, it was going to be raining. Then that comes up for me where it's like, yeah, also this is part of- organizing this is looking at the forecast but if I would have shown up and there I didn't bring a rain jacket I would have been like oh yeah I forgot the rain jacket like boom done fine move on but when he doesn't I'm like right because I'm the one who keeps all the tasks in my head right like that um also just really feels unfair to him when I like sit back and look at it Oh, we tend to be, um, what do we do? We, we attribute mistakes. I think this is the fundamental attribution error is that when someone else outside of us makes a mistake, we attribute it to their character, but yeah. when we make a mistake, we're like, well, we're allowed to make mistakes. Totally. Right. So yeah, it's, it's an error that our brain <laughs> likes to make. It's a really solid defense mechanism. <laughs> I, Alyssa, I'm thinking of how I've passed off packing for those road trips and vacations yeah. and, times away and there have been many times where there aren't pajama shirts and there aren't the extra pairs of whatever it is that we need and and I think as a fellow control appreciator sometimes (laughs) I've had like it's it really is that I need to sit back and it it's the I think you'll appreciate this in the work that you do they experience the consequence of that 
Right. Because I just don't want to experience the consequence. Totally. It's uncomfortable. We don't like discomfort. (laughs) I can totally appreciate that. I don't like it. And then also too, when I step back a little bit and then my daughter goes, daddy, how could you, how could you forget my pajamas? And then I can see it in his face and I'm like, yep. Yeah. He will not forget the pajamas. Correct. (laughs) That won't happen again. and, And I think then like when we think about the parent child relationship and even our, our intimate relationship with each other as parents, those consequences are learning moments for us. Mm -hmm. It is that relational piece back and forth of my daughter saying to him, daddy, you missed it. And it hurts me when you forget that. And he has to say, yeah, gosh, I see that. I could see that you're really upset. And that's something that I, you know, how can we plan for next time? Which is the same thing that we need to do as adults in our relationship. hundred percent. You had touched on something earlier that I think is really poignant, the like independence versus codependence. And that I think, especially as a lot of these terms you're right, are like surfacing more and people are exposed to them more in like Instagram therapy world. <laughs> I, which is good. I think there's so much great stuff that's coming from it. Yes. And I do think that there is, especially when you're at the, like towards the beginning of like a healing journey, there's a pendulum swing that often happens, right? Where it's like, I have felt responsible for people's feelings for so long. And now like, I'm not responsible for anyone but myself. And that swing. And a lot of folks, I think, find themselves in those spaces, whether it's in that independent space of like, I'm not taking this on as my own, or that codependent space of, I don't want to ruffle feathers. Uh, so I won't say anything or do anything. Or when they're having a hard time, I'm swept into it and I need them to get calm for me to get calm, right? Mm-hmm. That they need to bring the calm what does it look like to move to interdependence? Mm, yeah, that's such a good question. It is the- Also, thanks for writing a book on how to move yeah. <laughs> to it. <laughs> and it's easy when we hear it on podcasts, but in those moments, I think we also need to recognize there is a lot of work that goes into it. At the end of each chapter, I give specific exercises that you can do. So you're reading through the journey of these couples in my office. You're reading through my own story in the book as well. And then at the end of each chapter, I take the main kind of teaching point of that story and give you an exercise to break it down. Um, Because what we need to do is we need to slow down and understand where do I go to in this space? What's happening inside of me? So one part is understanding the self, which is here are my feelings and needs, and I get to be separate from you. And my Mm -hmm. feelings and needs are not wrong. They're not bad. It is the I piece. And then the you piece is what's your experience? So, So you have your own experience and your own thoughts and feelings. And then our job then is how we communicate those back and forth, how we build understanding for the other person. And then also how we then move forward into that co-creation of our world. It's not you. It's not always you. It's not always me. It's then let's move together, which can, you know, I think of some of the the couples who end up in these big disagreements. And when we break things down in the therapy room, the common goal is there. They want to be connected. They, They want to meet these core longings and needs in their relationship, which is, to know that I matter to you, to know that I'm important, to know that you love me, that I'm enough for you, that I'm adequate. Um, And yet we come at it in all of these different ways. So when we spend more time trying to understand 
yourself and then what the other person is experiencing, then you might be able to find the solution together. So for mm-hmm. example, um, you know, let's, I'm trying to give a, a recent example, but it's like, okay, I am having this experience where you have slammed the cupboards and I can notice my experience. And if I'm going to get fused into that, I'm going to say like, well, why are you mad at me? Why are you doing that to me? And then what did I, right? So then I can say, "Mm, notice, I actually feel like really jumpy as they're slamming the cupboards. And if I depersonalize this and kind of do a self other, I haven't done anything wrong. I can trust my internal experience. I can notice that it's uncomfortable when they're slamming cupboards. And that's probably something I need to communicate to them. And then I'm going to ask them, so what's going on for you? Or I can even do some of my own perspective taking and say, oh, right. He didn't get enough sleep last night. The kids woke him up three times and then he just got this super stressful email and just, you know, life is coming out at him. So that's his experience. Then what's important though, is for me to be able to say to him, Hey love, you know, slamming the cupboards feels really hard. And I see that you're angry. Do you want to talk about it? Can we maybe find a different way to deal with that? And I actually need us moving forward to not slam cupboards because it feels better for all of us in the house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what happens when then he's like flies off the handle or reacts like in that you just gave me feedback and I'm not in the space for feedback sort of thing you know yeah feedback is really hard for partners and again I think that's important for us to remember (laughs) yeah kids alike yeah oh my goodness of course so then being able to say okay so you didn't do anything wrong. So this is the internal voice, right? I didn't do anything wrong. I'm allowed to share what feels good for me and what doesn't. And I can see Mm -hmm. my partner's having a hard time and I can hold my boundary. And then maybe this is a time where I'm not going to go further into it. And we could maybe do some self-regulation or co-regulation, depending on what that looks like for our relationship. So it's going to sound like, okay, I can't let you speak to me this way. Like, I, I'm going to go take a break. This doesn't feel good for me. I want us to resolve this because I can see you're upset, right? Like we're we're not saying to the other person, oh, there you go again. You're always doing this. Yeah, we'll never, like that's just sure. upping the ante and going back and forth. There will be no resolve there. You'll just spin away into your cycle. But if you can press pause on that cycle, Take, take time away from it because you're both dysregulated, right? If your partner's mm-hmm. coming at you saying, how dare you? Who do you think you are? That tells me they can't hear you at that point. Mm-hmm. And then come back to it at a different time. And that's important to go back to it. Some of these things may, and also to remembering that in our relationship, we keep going forward. Not everything needs to be resolved, but there are going to be bigger pieces that need to be worked through. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think for me in the moment, something that I often, I'm the human who like wants to talk about everything right away. Talking through things is how I get like, I'm an auditory processor and my husband needs time and space. Right. And like very much internal. And then we'll come back to a conversation. And like, when he asks, like, can we talk about this tomorrow for the packing trip? And like, he'll take that time and space and it's productive for him. He'll usually at this point, like come back to the table and it's more productive. And I need the, like, we're going to come back to this, right? Like there's a part of me that's like, what if we never come back to this? What if they just avoid the conflict? What if then I can't bring this up and nothing. And so often in the moment, I will say like, Hey, I want to talk about what just happened. And 
now doesn't have to be the time, but I want to come back to this. And like, he now knows like, okay, cool. Like she's really, you're just going to leave me alone, (laughs) which was not always the case. Mm -hmm. Um, She's going to leave me alone for a little bit. And there is an expectation that we're going to come back to this. Uh, But uh, there's a part of me that needs that in the moment. That reassurance. Yeah, we we all need that, right? And and there is typically one partner that wants to do it now. Mm -hmm. And the other one's like, I need more space. And we all have different nervous systems. And there isn't a right or wrong. But I think the piece here, and and sometimes I hear this kind of um, rejection of this idea is like, well, why do I have to put this on the table? Why do I have to park Mm -hmm. my need? I need us to resolve this. And yes, I totally understand that. I know this is totally to resolve and it feels so urging and pressing in that moment for you. And we need to look though, that when we keep pressing and pressing, we're not actually going, it's, it's working against us because our partner can't do it for us. Right. And I, I love what you've added in there, which is that give the reassurance that we're coming back to it. And I, I also recommend if you're the partner that has asked for that time and space, make sure you come back to it because it doesn't just disappear. Yeah. The rug gets well, and then I can't trust that we will come back to it. Right. Like at right. this point I can trust like, okay, we're going to come back to it because we've been down this path enough times where if I do give him time and space, we will come back to it. We have come back to it, but if he wasn't coming back to it, then that would mean nothing to me. Mm. Right. Yes. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.
Yes, it is the, those are these micro moments of trust in our relationship that we're building, yeah. we're constantly building them. And rarely do we ever say it. We, we we know the moment. I think everybody listening can recall a moment when they first decided they loved their partner. Mm. And then the, the first time they said it to each other, but did you ever say to your partner, I trust you now? Mm. Trust is not talked about in that way, but yet all of these micro moments build up the sense of trust between you two. Totally. Yeah. And in relationship in general, trust, you're right. It's not something we talk about. And it's mm. so huge. Um, I, I think of my kids actually. And yeah, me too. Um, I was thinking about mine. Yeah. Yeah. What, one of mine is a, a highly sensitive child and um, really needing that sense of control is important and knowing what's going to happen and they don't like surprises. And one of the things that I have said, so they'll sometimes come back to me and say, are you going to do this? Will you do this? And one of the things I'm working on is, do you remember that time before when you told me that was really important? What did I do then? You did it. I'm like, yeah, I, I hear your needs. I know they're important. And I want you, I, like, I want you over time to feel like you can trust me. And this is what I'm doing. I hear you. I see what those needs are, right? Mm -hmm. And that is building that sense of trust for for our kids so they can go on into relationships and feel that sense. Yeah, I love it. And and those words are so powerful. Even Sage the other day was like walking with a pair of scissors and he, I like caught his eye. We just like locked eyes and he said, I'm being careful, mama. And I said, oh, I trust you, buddy. I know you know Mm -hmm. how to walk with scissors. And just like popping that in there though, of like the, I trust you. (laughs) It's huge. Yeah. That I feel like it comes easier to me with kids than it does in adult relationships. I hadn't thought about that. Um, one thing that, most of that know, though, like empathy, totally. compassion, understanding, permission, mm-hmm. the trusting, it's so much easier to our children. It is. And I think it's where bias comes in, right? Like I was just doing a workshop um, two days ago for um, a K-12, kindergarten through 12th grade. And so we had teachers kind of spanning the gamut, different ages. And our like group of high school teachers, we were talking about bias and one of their biases throughout the entire, all of them shared was this age bias of like, you should know better. You're old enough to know better. Right. And I was like, that resonates so much with me. And I think comes up for me in partnership where it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't think my two-year-old should know better at these things. But then there's a part of me that's like, yeah, you're 30 something years old. Like you should know better. And obviously not a conscious explicit bias but implicit is this like yeah you're an adult you should know how to do x y and z or you should have it all together sort of thing um and so i think that can come up for me in the in a number of things where i have compassion for kids that i don't have uh for my partner one thing zach will often ask is like is this thing about me like when i'm like in a hard space or i'm like snippy or i'm snappy or whatever which for me is like an awareness component he'll like Mm -hmm. bring awareness for me that like you're, you're doing this again <laughs> this is coming up um and I then have the chance to be like is it about him and for him when I'm just like no it's not and I'm sorry like I still have this work meeting on my mind or I didn't get everything done at work this is a big one for me if I like, don't hit my to-do list and then I'm going to do childcare pickup and I feel like I've jumped from one thing to the next and in my head I'm still like okay now after stage goes down I have to wrap up these work things like then I'm not present and I'm being pulled in these directions and I can get snappy and sarcastic and snippy and when I can reflect on that though which he helps me do so well with that like is this about me I'm Mm -hmm. like no it's not I didn't finish my to-do list at work I'm sorry I'm gonna try and be present here 
and then for him, he's just like, okay. And then for him, it's easier to take. Like, it's not about me. Yes. Then I can roll with this. <laughs> and he's doing that self other piece, right? He's noticing that he's like, oh, is this about me? And so maybe I should just check in with Alyssa and see where she's at. Okay. She's confirmed. It's not about me. And I can practice that that separation piece, right? This is the, like, this is you, you're having a hard time. You're, you're allowed to feel overstimulated and you didn't have the transitional times and your buckets are overflowing. That's your experience. And, and I think then what gets us in trouble or wrapped up in our cycles rather is when we do the personalization and we make it about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the same thing with our kids, right? I mean, when the kid, when one of my kids runs down the hallway saying, I hate you, and it can just sometimes go deeply inside of me. And it's not about me in that moment. Mm-hmm. I know that. But gosh, it's so hard to like really hold up that like filter of like, okay, you know, my partner, my kids, people I love, they're allowed to have their own experiences and it's not necessarily about me. Yeah. It's so hard. Like that that interdependence again there that's it's so challenging because it requires a level of self-awareness and self-regulation in the moment in order to separate in order to see them as someone outside of you and I think so many of us are just like tired (laughs) and (laughs) and like overwhelmed and overstimulated and just like doing so much that to to pause to have that self-awareness is hard And then, so Greg and I have really tapped into this conversation um, about our kids and about this time for us of how we're doing a lot of this reparenting for ourselves and just how much information we have taken in and our brains can't keep up with with all of it. And so we are coming from, for many of us, we grew up in shame-based parenting. Mm-hmm. And so that was a sense of fusion and codependency in relate and familial relationships that has yeah. been this intergenerational passing down of you make me mad. See, when you don't share, kids don't like you. Or I told you not to touch the hot stove, and you did, and that's your fault, right? So there's now like you got the, burned, yeah. Now totally. you got burned, right? So the, this was the parenting of the time, and so then here we are having had those experiences with our first significant others. So we have to then unravel all of that showing up with our partners today. And that's a lot of work for us. I I think that's why, you know, we're seeing this change in how we're parenting with our children. And I think then the relational piece is still kind of coming on board. We're ready Mm -hmm. to do it with our kids. It feels easier. We've already talked about that, right? It's like easier to have the empathy Mm -hmm. and to kind of explore those boundaries and all of those pieces there. But then when we look at our partner, it's still a lot of unfolding of our own significant bonding events with our parents and caregivers. Totally. And one thing we hear a lot of in our village is like, okay, well, I'm doing this work, but they're not there yet. Right. And I, I know with kids, it just involves us for the most part, right? Like they don't have to undo these habits and patterns necessarily. Yeah. Like we are the ones that are doing a lot of the work to then parent differently. And when we're looking at adult relationships, it is this like, will they ever come on board with this? Is this always going to be their pattern? And I shared about this in Tiny Humans Speak Emotions too, but like I started doing a lot of my own personal work in reparenting before Zach did. And how hard it was to be in that space where I was doing it and he wasn't yet. And 
to just trust <laughs> there's that trust again yeah. that this that, that it will shift that he will enter into this work in his own way but I'm I would say one of the least patient humans to walk the planet not like if I'm relying on patience for someone we're all for something we're all screwed and so for me I needed to have like markers which were like boundaries of okay if he doesn't ever change these patterns or these habits what are my boundaries around them what does that mean for me um because it's really hard to be in that space where you're diving into the work and maybe they're not there yet this is such a big conversation that i'm having frequently that it is what i see most often. And again, thinking of the bias of my community and my sample that I'm coming from, um, but it is the women who are doing this work. And it is that when I put my hands together, one person is ahead and that choice is, can I accept the discomfort between you being where you are and me being where I am? Can I also do this grief work here where I chose you because I thought you would be the Mm. one to validate me? that you would be the one to fill up my bucket. And that's what I really needed because I didn't get that as a little kid. And now I have to grieve that because you're not that person. And if you're not that person and you're not there with me yet doing this work, what is it that I have to do with myself? How do I give myself that validation and the filling of my bucket? How do I patch up the hole in my bucket? And like you said, Alyssa, that trust piece is so important that when, and this is, again, is that dynamic piece in cycles, we are all in cycles in relationships with our kids, with our parents, with our partner. And this is the piece where when you start to change, so instead of going to your partner and saying, why do you always ask me for the list? Why can't you just da, 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 right? That can spiral into the cycle. They're like, oh, I'm just trying to help you always. But when they come to you saying, um, you know, just tell me what you need and you change your response to, I totally get where you're coming from with this question. And I think something that would be more helpful for me is if you, right, you're changing how you're responding to them, which then gives them an opportunity to say, oh, hey, she's not coming at me so critical. Sure. Maybe we could do this differently. Maybe I don't so have to be hard so in the moment. Oh, it's so hard in the moment. <laughs> it's so hard because like sarcastic mm-hmm. Lissa, right? Like my response is like, yeah, wake up and remember you have a kid. Think about the fact that you're going to be on vacation or on a trip and your kid is going to be there, right? Like that like sarcastic part immediately surfaces. Mm-hmm. And to be able to like find the pause and say maybe those same things, but without the sarcasm of like, yeah, you know, it would actually be more helpful, whatever, in a kinder tone, whatever, is so hard to access in the moment. So hard. Tracy, can I just like, can you be on speed dial? <laughs> I'm working on an earbud system or it's it's the text in the moment where you're like, hang on, Zach. And you go into the closet and you text me and I text And I like back. put in what I want to say and you just translate it to what would be a kinder version of what I want to say. I have been um, on the other end of many texts in moments when in-laws are visiting or when there's hard <laughs> moments and I'm like, yes, great. Here's how you say it. Okay, great. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. Done and it, done. Thanks. <laughs> it, it's Yeah, it is. It, these moments are just so hard. And, and sometimes too, humor can be helpful. So I had said earlier, I raise my eyebrows at Greg yeah. and we can laugh about it. But because what we both have done in those moments is it's not about our core or our worthiness. 
Right. And because we feel secure and connected in where we are today, which requires us to put time together, to touch base about things, to air out hard things. Um, but because we feel secure, we can then do more of that laughter piece. We can be like, really? Is that really the question you want to ask me? And then we laugh and then we kind of plan and move forward. But when you are struggling, when you're sleep deprived, when you haven't had that time to connect, those moments become really big. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness you wrote a book on this. Um, Tracy, where can I folks- can't remember. Have you seen the cover? <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Um, obsessed. I didn't sign up for this. I am I'm super glad for folks to have the opportunity to get their hands on it. I love that there are exercises throughout. So it's not just like read this and good luck, but like read this and here's a way, here are ways to apply it. Where can folks find you, learn more about your work, find the book, all that jazz. And if you can repeat the title, please. Yes. One of my favorite things first is if there's something that stood out for you today, please come and say hello to me on Instagram. Mm. That's my main hangout space. I'm in my DMs and those DMs are always the most meaningful to me because they remind me of our community and our connection and just how valuable that is. And it's truly why I do this work is just to be able to reach more people outside of my office. So that's Dr. Tracy D on all social handles. You can also go to my website. I have a really great free resource right now. It's the 100 questions to deepen your connection. You can take it on your date night. It is not questions about the kids. They are fun questions. Greg and I did it on one of our date nights. We didn't get through all at 100. We got through three. Uh, but it's a really great resource there. So my website is drtracyd.com. And then my book is I Didn't Sign Up for This. A couple's therapist shares real life stories of breaking patterns and finding joy in relationships, including her own. And you can grab that wherever you get books. And I would be so grateful for you to grab it and read it and come on this journey with me. Love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thanks, Alyssa. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the transcript at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community over on Instagram hanging out every day with more free content? Come join us at seed.and.so. Take a screenshot of you tuning in, share it on the gram, and tag seed.and.so to let me know your key takeaway. If you're digging this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We love collaborating with you to raise emotionally intelligent humans. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.